Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Hey, how you doing? Praise God. You guys are a little louder than the first service. I think you got more sleep and more caffeine. Would you agree with that? Awesome. I'm so glad that you are here today. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church. And uh, maybe it's your first time here. I want to tell you this, and I say this almost every week. You could not have picked a better weekend to be here today. So thank you for coming if you're brand new here to Freedom Church today. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been in a series called He Said, She Said. And when you think about words, man, they are powerful. And so the first week, uh, we talked about words that help. Last week, Pastor Jim talked about words that hurt. You guys give him some love. He's done an amazing job. Appreciate him. So today, we're going to move forward, and today, I'm going to talk about words that give. So here's what I want you to do. If you're here, uh, if you have not downloaded our app, all you got to do is go to the app store, type in Freedom Church Galton, you'll see our big green F. And if you would go there, we have notes on there. If you go to the app and you click in the bottom right-hand corner where it says Sundays, then you go and click on message notes and you'll find the notes to follow along with there. If you're here and you don't have a smartphone, that's just fine. You can go to the info desk and pick up a hard copy when you come in to follow along. But right now, we're going to jump in to this, and I want to review what the verse is for this series. Would you take a look at it here? And I want to ask you to do something for me. I want you to recite it with me audibly. Would you do that for me if you can do that? Here we go. Proverbs 10 and 32, beginning here. It says, The lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speak perverse words. Wow. So true. Would you agree with that? That's what can happen. Which side of the coin are you going to be? What kind of words are you going to use? So with that being said, uh, I've looked at uh, and reviewed some of the things that when you think about words and what people want to say, um, you know, I wonder how many words do people actually say in a given day? You know what I'm saying? So I looked at some studies and some of the studies show this. They show that a woman speaks 20,000 words a day and a man speaks 7,000. And you're thinking, man, I'm not so sure that I agree with that. And that seems like a little far-fetched. Would you agree? But after I started digging, this is what I come up with, and I, I, I trust the source that I got it from, is that men, uh, women speak a little over 16,000 words a day, and then men speak a little less than that. So, how many of you here, and women, and don't raise your hand, you've often, I've had this in counseling and being in ministry over two decades, and women say, well, my man just don't talk to me. We just don't communicate, and we just don't get enough out of him. I can't hear what he's got to say. Well, let me give you a little advice, ladies, what you do. We just know they do generally speak, we speak less their words than you do normally. So, what you do, you don't wait to talk to him at night because he's out of words. You got it? Just a little bit of information, okay? Make sure you talk to him in the morning, okay? Before he leaves to work, get him up early. Anyway, so 
Anyway, I also wondered how, when we're speaking words, how many words do people learn in the vocabulary? You understand what I'm saying? How many words does the average human being learn in their vocabulary? And during the adult test takers and the research that was done, they will learn anywhere from 20,000 words up to as much as 35,000 words that we would use on a daily basis. So today, when I think about words that give, words that give is a three-word phrase. Let's think about words that are going to give hope. It's going to encourage me. Something that you're excited about, about another human. So let me ask you this question. Tell me three words that gives. Shout them out to me. That was one word, love. How about I... You did it. Three words that give. You got it, right? Okay. What's three more words that give? How about what? I'm proud of you. Four, sorry. All right. Somebody give me three words. How about, hey, I owe you because you've done something for me, right? How about I trust, right? How about you demand? And how about the ladies go, you go, girl. <laughs> right? You know? So I'm just talking about those three-word things that, that your words that give to someone. You follow what I'm saying? But today, we're going to look at three words that I think humans, we lack in giving. And it's due to pain. Today is going to be an exciting message, I believe, for many of you. But for some of you, it's going to be tough. So let's jump in and let's see and ask God through his power of the Holy Spirit to do a work in everybody's life. Are you ready to jump into the Word of God? Are you ready to jump into the Word of God? Okay. Now I know you're ready. Okay. Let's look at the Passion Translation in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Here's a question. Has God graciously forgiven you? Any of y'all can say, God has graciously forgiven me. Right? Praise his name. Right? Okay, but then, look at this. Then, everybody say then. Graciously forgive one another. In the depths of Christ's love. So the words that give or are I forgive you. It's great three words, but it's hard sometimes to say it. Would you agree with me on that? You know, sometimes it's just really tough. And let me ask you this, and this is where we'll kind of get started. How many of you here would say that you know someone that's easily offended? Raise your hand. Yeah, don't be pointing. That's not nice. Not, not nice. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, you see people make these posts on Facebook. You ever see people's easily offended on Facebook? You post something and they're just pointing at you and doing all this kind of stuff. I'm wondering, is this all they do? You know, getting upset on Facebook and people get easily offended about small things. You know, something that really gets me and, and, and kind of gets at me. How many of you don't like it when somebody rolls their eyes at you? Oh, man. I'm wanting to pull out the verse. Jesus said, pluck that thing out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, people... 
rolling her eyes at you. Or somebody has this tone in their voice, you know, and they have these inflections and you know that they're upset about something or, or something like that. Or maybe somebody uh, cuts you off in traffic, you know, and, and you see them what they do and you want them to let you in and, you, and uh, they don't do it and they say, no, thank you by the way they act. Or, or maybe someone that you know, you text them and they just don't respond. But you know what happens? Here's the thing about it. Even if you have your read receipt off, this is what gets you. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. Okay, now, I see the freaking bubbles going on, and you're reading it right now, but you don't text me back. Are you, if you don't know what the bubbles are, ask an 8 or 10-year-old. They'll tell you what the bubbles are. Are you with me? Everybody know what the bubbles are? Say yes. Those of you who don't, ask somebody. Anyway, anyway, but they don't text you back. You think they don't care about your relationship. And, and maybe you made this, this great post. You poured your heart out on social media, and your friends don't even like it. They don't even comment on it. But you see them commenting on everybody else's. And next thing you know, you realize they've unfollowed you. It could go on and on and on with this kind of stuff. And we live in a time that people are almost offended over anything. Let me tell you this, if in this day and time, there are so many people, and if you're one of those people that get offended, if you're looking to be offended, I promise you, you're going to find a way to be offended. Now, it's like this, uh, and, and I'm going to share this with you, and uh, not that I want to, but you know, before Shannon and I got married, I had this Camaro and had T-tops. How many of you had a Camaro with T-tops? Remember the T-tops come out? It was so cool, so cool. And uh, so it's July 4th and we're riding around and this guy flips me off. I knew who he was. And uh, so, I mean, it, it just flew all over me. So we start chasing the guy and I got a guy riding with me. And what's so cool about 4th of July, it's almost like Army Day. We get on the interstate, and I'm chasing this guy and get up to 80 mile an hour, and I said, get the ammunition out, because we was armed. We start getting out these huge bottle rockets and shooting them at his car out the T-tops. And man, there's fire flying. I don't know what's on coming traffic on the other side. They, they thought there must have been some kind of army tank over there, and there's ammunition going off. And yeah, that was me. But anyway, you know, you do things like that that you're not proud of. I mean, if you've done something that you weren't proud of because you got offended and you just done, I, I think we've all been there. Here's what I'll tell you. Your life's too short and God's plan is too great for any of us to be offended by little things. Let me say it again. Life's too short and God's plan for you and me is too great for you and me to be offended by little things. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says, sensible people. Now, you got to be sensible. It says, sensible people control their temper. In other words, they have patience. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. So, how do we overlook those almost daily offenses that can become unending grudges? I mean, how, how do we do that? When we're wronged, we have a choice. We can react or we can respond. I want to share this with you over here, and maybe it'll help you to understand what I'm talking about. So we know each day that we live, we live around other humans, okay? Let's say an act 
takes place. Whatever that is, whatever the offense, the wrong, it just, it happens. You follow me? So then in between that, there is this moment right here that I can either be a person in that act that it's just going to take me a second to react. You follow me on that? Or on the other hand, in that moment, you're doing this, or in that moment, you take a moment to respond. All right? So that just, that just, just this is just right then. As soon as, as soon as it happens, you follow me? So here you go. You're going to be a person, if you decide to take the low road, here you go. You take the low road here. You're going to be the person that says, I'm going to react to this situation. And when you react without thinking about it, you just react. What happens a lot of times? I'll tell you what rises up in us, whether you agree with me or not, this is what happens. There is a moment that you're faced with hatred because it just happened. Everybody agree with me, you understand? There's this hatred will rise up you in that moment, and you have this hateful feeling that comes about. Or you take the high road, okay, and you're going to be a person, and you're going to take just a moment to be able to respond to that situation, to that act, that wrong, whatever it is, and you're going to do it with love. And that's where we're all at every day. So what that means is, if you take the low road here, what can end up happening because of whatever they did here to come against you or someone you love or whatever the situation is, when you take the low road here, what you end up doing is you're a person that's going to, basically, I'll put it right here, you're going to be a person that's going to live in accusation, okay? You're going to start accusing them of what it is. Whatever they've done, you're accusing them of the action that they did against you. Or, so that's what you do, react and hate, you're accusing them. Or when you take a moment to respond, you respond with love, and in particular God's love, then you have, in that moment, compassion. Okay? And some of you thinking, you've lost your ever-loving mind, Pastor. But here's where we're at. Compassion. Accusation, love, hate. See, we all will get a little righteous, especially when it comes to our family. And I remember the first time I went to Israel in 1999. My girls were little. I was gone for 10 days. And uh, when I come home, Shanda began to tell me that there'd been these, she could tell it was two males in a car, and they were driving slow in front of her house. We lived on the a, on a backside of a country road when a lot of neighbors, you know, there or anything at that time. And and they would turn down the driveway late one night, you know, and she was scared because my wife doesn't, you know, she's not, she's never been trained with firearms and that kind of stuff. That's just not who she is. And, and when I get home, this happened multiple times. And when I get home, she tells me about it. Well, I'm just, you know how it feels in your heart. You wonder these people are up to no good. What are you going to do about this situation? So sure enough, one night about midnight, this car comes down the driveway, and she, she tells me, she says she thinks it's them. Man, I'm out of the bed. They, by the time I got out of bed, they had backed out of the driveway after coming down the driveway and drove down the road. I turned out of the driveway, had a Toyota Camry, went out of the driveway. I remember turning right, and they were coming back this way by then. And I got down there to them, and I did the Dukes of Hazard thing. You know what I'm saying? I got to run as fast as I could, and I pulled the emergency brake, and I slid her sideways. <laughs> and I jumped out of the car, and I said, what are you doing? I jumped out of the car in my underwear. 
I don't know how intimidating I was in those fruit of the looms, but that happened. Come to find out there's two teenage boys, true story, I can't make this up, y'all. This is just two teenage boys that swears up and down that they're looking for this house or whatever, and that they're looking where their friend live and whatever and blah, blah, blah. I don't, we never seen them again after that, but anyway, it happened. But listen to me, listen to me in this. Proverbs 10 and 12. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love, say love, makes up for all offenses. All offenses. See, sometimes when we're wrong, it could be something that's been deliberate to us. You follow what I'm saying? Or it could be something that we misinterpreted about that action. There's always that moment here that you can think about the situation a little bit longer than just simply reacting. You follow what I'm saying? Here, you don't think about it. Here, you think about it before you go one of two directions. You follow me? So, with that being said, you say, well, what do you mean by that? See, everybody here in this room is biased in this way. We will attribute our own behavior by our circumstances. You follow what I'm saying? We will say, oh, man, you know me. You know, you know, you know what ain't me. That's not my heart. You, come on, bro. You, you, better, you know who I am. Or we'll go the other direction. It's like this. We look at somebody else and they do something by their actions. Oh, it's got to do with their character. Come on, bro. You need Jesus if you've done that. I can't believe you just done that. You see what I'm saying? It's a big difference between someone else's character and when we want to give ourselves a mulligan. If I disappoint you, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, man, you know it ain't me. But if you get disappointed by somebody, we want to blame it on their character because that was offensive. That was rude. Man, you need the Lord. It's like if somebody cuts, you cut somebody off in traffic and all of a sudden you feel bad. You know what I'm saying? Say, I didn't see you. Oh, I'm so sorry. And you try to wave at them and they're waving at you, but four of the other fingers are down. But anyway, but they cut you off in traffic. You get upset and say, what are you thinking? You, how did they get a driver's license? You idiot. What's wrong with you? And you're forced to thinking about waving with your middle finger. Or maybe you got your kids. You're going to go to the mall. And you get to the mall and you realize that your kids and you get in an apartment store and they're being really loud and obnoxious and, and you already know you've already ran out of goldfish. You ain't got no milk. They ain't got no snack. They didn't get their nap out because you woke them up to take them into the mall. So they're acting really crazy and everybody's looking at you and giving you the look around you. And you, it's your circumstances. But let somebody else has got a kid start hollering out and you're shopping in the department store. And they go, well, look at that little demon they got over there. They need to take that kid out of here. Man, what's wrong with them parents? Don't they know how to act? They're not good parents. Is everybody tracking with me what I'm talking about? We want to give ourselves the mulligan. Because it's our baby. It's just our circumstances. Somebody else does something, we want to call them out and say it's their character. So, here's what I want you to understand. We have an enemy named Satan. And he wants you to always react with accusation. Accusation. That's what he wants to do. Tells us in Revelation 12 that he is accuser of the brethren night and day. Oh, she's all about herself. And you've seen her. Oh, she doesn't, she, he doesn't care about me. Well, you can't trust them for nothing. I don't understand why you even hang around with them. We wouldn't close friends anyway. Have you not deleted them from your friends from Facebook yet? You know, it's just what we do. Reacting with accusations, let me tell you what it's going to do to you. If you react with accusations all the time, it'll erode your marriage to the point you won't be married. 
It will deplete and split up your friendships if you carry in the manner of accusations. It will ultimately end up, and I've seen it do it, destroy even great churches. That's what it can do. Look at Ephesians 4 and 2. It says, always, say always, be humble and gentle. Be what? What's that word? Say it out loud. Be patient with each other. Now, look at these next two words. Say it. Making allowance for each other's what? Faults because of your what? Not hate, not accusation. You see what I'm saying? But love and compassion, that's, that's where we're at. And so, what, what does love do? Love helps to be able to give the benefit of the doubt in that moment. And the response of love chooses to believe what's best in the other person. Love trusts the other person. It believes the best in the other person. Because of your love, we make allowances for the wrongs that comes against us, for the offenses that comes against us. Because of God's love and because Jesus has forgiven you and me, He has given us grace. We're to be able to give grace to others. When someone has bad behavior, and it isn't about you. When someone does a wrong, it isn't about you. Whenever someone maybe has a rude tone, it isn't about you. Or they raise their voice, it isn't about you. Or they're careless in their driving, it isn't about you. Maybe, just maybe, they're having a bad day. How many of you here have ever had a bad day? Raise your hand. And if you don't raise your hand, you're perfect. So you don't even have to listen to nothing I say from this point forward. We've all had bad days. Somebody's had a bad day, they got distracted because they found out that their child is in really bad trouble at school and didn't know that they were meddling in drugs. Maybe they got bad news and got a phone call themselves, and a doctor said, we need you to come in. You've got cancer. Maybe it's a situation where they, they just found out that their one they love and been married in high school sweethearts found out they were having an affair. Or just maybe they're driving erratically because they got fired at their job and they didn't have no idea it was coming. And they knew the person that got the job was the one that it was a political move for the company. See, we always want to accuse somebody. We always don't take the time to take a moment to respond and then we just react and hate comes out of us. That's what ends up happening anyway. None of us here are perfect. We've got to learn, church, to give people the benefit of doubt. What if someone was intentionally rude? What if they were blatantly hateful? Did you ever take a moment to wonder what they may be going through in their life? I remember when I was eight years old, um, my uncle, he had, uh, my uncle Warren, he had a St. Bernard dog. And I went down to my grandmother's house and I wanted to see him. I wanted to hug him. I just love the, you know, St. Bernard dogs are beautiful, you know. And so when I got out of the car and I went up to pet him, 
he very quickly bit me right here across my hand. And there's a tooth mark scar. There's a tooth mark scar to this day. Now, wh why did he bite me? I was just going to pet him. And I'll tell you why he did. He had a hot spot on his back about that big around, unbeknown to me. He didn't bite me because he didn't like me. He bit me because he thought I was going to hurt him and touch that was, what was hurting him in his, on his body. And that's just like a lot of other people. A lot of times when people come against you about something, it's not that they're necessarily something that you have done against them. It's something that's happened in their life because hurt people will always hurt other people. And that's a lesson that I learned a long time ago. So instead of being offended by somebody, why don't we have compassion for somebody? God wants us always to respond in love. But what if, and then we're going to go to the next level here. What if the offense isn't just some rude comment? What if the offense isn't some kind of rude comment somebody done against you on social media? What if it is just something that somebody may have misrepresented in their turn or whatever, and they were driving and they thought it was you and they flip you off? What if it's something way more than that? What if it's something like that? It's easy to sometimes talk about forgiveness when it's something maybe small or maybe it's a one-time deal. But what if somebody has hurt you deeply, someone that you trusted, someone that you admired, someone that you thought a lot of? Maybe it's somebody in your family. And a long time ago, they did things to you you've never told anybody. You're still carrying that grudge today in your heart because it hurt. Maybe you got bullied by somebody when you were in school, and the next thing you know, they're hired in your company, and you just don't know how you're going to deal with it. Maybe it's a situation where that your boyfriend lied to you, and you thought he was the one, and you thought you were going to walk the aisle of matrimony. And he found out he's been seeing someone else. Maybe it's a situation to where that at work you thought that this person that you thought was there with you and you're on the same team, you find out they're gossiping and saying things about you that could be detrimental to your job. Maybe it's your spouse. You thought that your relationship was wonderful, but yet you find out. They've been having an affair for a long, long time. What if it's that authority figure that touched you inappropriately? And they make you feel like it's your fault. And if you tell anybody, it's going to look like it's your fault. I could go on and on and on. But look what Jesus says in Luke 17. He says, so watch yourselves. He's asking us to watch ourselves. He didn't say, watch what others are doing, watch ourselves. He says, listen to this, he says, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. That means help them to go a different direction is what that means. Then if there is repentance and Greek word metanoia, change of mind, turn and go the other direction, forgive. Forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must 
The Apostle Paul said, I mean, the Apostle said to the Lord, show us, Lord, how to increase our faith. Because they don't see a way to do it. I think with us here, where we get hurt, I don't think we see a way to do it, do we? Because it hurts that bad in our lives. How many of you here are thinking you don't have the faith to forgive offenses? I'll be the, I'll be the first to raise my hand at times because I'm pulled as a human being. Do I, do I have a moment to respond and go with love and love and compassion? Or, or am I going to all of a sudden, that act, oh, that act's terrible. I a second to, to react. And I'm going to react with hate and, and I'm going to accuse them because I know they're not living like a Christian like I am. We all do that. So, you're thinking, do I really need to forgive that person? And you're thinking, I get what you're saying, but they don't deserve it. How could I do it even if I wanted to in my life after what they've done to me? You got to say, God, you got to increase my faith because it's not in me for this to happen. So I want you to think about who hurt you. Think about that person that lied about you. That person that mistreated you. Or that person that took advantage of you. You're thinking there's no way I could ever say those three words. I forgive you and mean it because it's so gut-wrenching it is so agonizing and it is so sickening that you're thinking that they're going to get away with it but God clearly tells us that we have to forgive so let's think about the faith to say I forgive look at Matthew 6 verse 14 and 15 Jesus says if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you but if you what what's that word refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, God tells us to forgive, and we agree with that, but we have, you're thinking, I, I, I know this oft, it's went on in my life, and you know what? I don't understand why they've done this to me, and listen, here's what I will tell you. I'm not belittling that it was awful. I'm not belittling that it was horrible and that it was unfair, but I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but God is telling us to forgive. What does it mean to be able to forgive? How in the world are we going to do it? Well, here's what I will tell you. When you say those words and you mean it, that I forgive you, let me tell you what it isn't. It isn't forgetting about it. Anybody tells you forgive and forget, and if you don't, you, you, you. No, no, no. Mm -mm. It's not forgetting about it. It's hurt too deeply. deeply. It's not pretending that it didn't happen or sweeping it under the rug or that it wasn't wrong. And you're thinking, what I need to do, be a doormat the rest of my life? No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. You're thinking, well, we're not going to be friends on Facebook. Woohoo! Oh, every time, seventh anniversary. Ooh, got the little bubbles coming up and the little balloons coming up. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about there. It's not going to be a situation like that where the, you just have to rub shoulders with them the rest of your life and smile like it never did happen. See, forgiving a betrayal doesn't mean that you let the person keep on hurting you in your life. Whenever you forgive somebody, then you create boundaries in your life. You were once here, but they created a divide by what they did here. And it, may take, uh, it might take days, it might take months, it might take years, but they have got to rebuild their trust to get back to where you once were before they came against you and brought the all, the offense, the hurt, the wrong. You follow me? It's very important you understand that in the forgiveness process. Something else, that if I'm going to tell somebody I'm going to forgive them, it isn't fair. <laughs> Is it? 
It's natural for me and you to want to get back at somebody when they do that, especially if they come against our children. Man, that is one of the biggest things. You know what? Justice says to get them back. And then Jesus says, pray for your enemies. And some of you are thinking, okay, I'll pray for my enemies. I'm going to pray they get diarrhea coming out of every orifice in their body for the rest of their entire life. Yeah, that's what we think. Anyway, isn't it? You mean to expect me to forgive my dad for the terrible things he did to me when I was little just because some years later that my father asked me to be able to forgive him? That's not fair, Pastor. Totally unfair to, to think that I'm going to forgive my wife when she had an affair with my best friend. Forget that. Think I'm going to forgive my friend. They lied to me blatantly. And it hurt so bad, and I thought we were that close. If you're thinking, I'm going to forgive my business, former business partner, we took all our money, saved it up, started a business, and then he was stealing for years. You think that's forgivable, Pastor? See, we often say we want fair, but thank God he wasn't fair. And you're thinking, what do you mean? If God was always fair, then I would get what my sins deserve. God is always just, but God is not always fair. Look at Psalm 103. It says here, beginning with verse 10, He does not punish us for all our, say the word. He does not deal harshly with us as we what? deserve for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth he has removed our sins as far from us we deserve death we deserve hell every one of us deserve punishment but because god chose to give us his grace he casts our sins as far as the east is to the west so when you think about the praise his name you better be glad I'm telling you the words I give, though, that I'm going to forgive somebody is giving others what God gave you, what God gave me. How many of you here and you say that you're a Christ follower has been forgiven of something? Would you raise your hand? Yes, yes, it's amazing. Jesus gave you grace. Jesus gave you mercy, gave you a second chance. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that you have been forgiven, you can lean back the rest of the service and polish on your perfect halo for a minute, okay? But like me, I've been forgiven. I've cheated, I've lied, I've hurt people, I've lost my temper, I've betrayed others, and, and, and things that I've done, a host of sins, and he's done that for me. And when I say I'm going to forgive somebody, that's giving somebody else what God has already given me and what I've been able to experience. That's the heart of the gospel. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in that forgiveness. 1 John 1 and 9 says, But if we confess our what? Sins to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our and to cleanse us from all wickedness. See, the gospel isn't receiving forgiveness. The gospel is giving forgiveness. That's what it's all about. Forgiveness doesn't just come to us and stop in us if you're truly walking in the depths of the relationship with Jesus. When forgiveness comes to us, forgiveness goes through us to somebody around us. 
So how's it going? Is it going through your life? Or is it like the Dead Sea in Israel? The Jordan feeds it, it does not flow out. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. You receive the life-giving forgiveness of Jesus Christ, but it stopped here. You're not letting it flow through your life. How's it? You're not letting it go through your life. You're not stopping. It's not, if you let it stop in you, then what good's it going to do? You think about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And give us this day our daily bread. And help us to be able to forgive those who trespass against us. Or as we forgive them, God forgives us. You follow what I'm saying? As we forgive those. As we do what? Forgive those who trespass against us. So, how's it going with that? Why does God ask you and me to forgive? Because he loves you and me. You know, when I think about forgiving, some people think, well, I'm not forgiving my ex-wife. You don't understand what she did. Did God forgive you? I'm not forgiving, <laughs> I'm not forgiving my friend for stealing from me. I never stole anything from them. Did God forgive you? See, I could go on and on and on. Why doesn't God basically, when we forgive, you're thinking, if I do the forgiving, then what about the other person? Is it going to heal the other person? No, it's going to heal you. You think, when I ask God to be able to forgive this situation, it's not forgiving them, it's healing the wound in you, and it's setting you free. So... Saying the words, I forgive you, is giving others what God gave you. But also, it is the faith to be able to empower me, to be able to let it go and experience freedom. See, faith empowers me to be able to let go that which has happened to me. And I'm not excited. I don't feel like extending the grace. I don't feel like and excited about giving grace to somebody. I'm choosing by faith in my relationship with Jesus, even though I still may have angry feelings, even though I may still feel like I'm still betrayed. But by faith, I am making a conscious, heartfelt, Holy Spirit-led choice to offer grace and forgiveness because God offered grace and forgiveness to me and therefore I can live whole in my life and I can be free in my life and whenever you're free and the sun sets you free, you can be free indeed. You follow that? The original word for forgive in the New Testament comes from the Greek. It's, it's, it's pronounced aphiomi. And what that means, it is a picture of totally freeing and totally releasing someone. In other words, in our modern paraphrase of it, it's basically let it go. And from my personal experience, it may not be a one-time thing that jacks you up. But it might be something that so jacks you up that you have to work on it every day and you make a conscious choice. Every day you get up, I've got to forgive. I've got to forgive. It is a process sometimes that you have to make that daily choice. It takes faith to be able to forgive. It takes faith to be able to believe that on the other side of the pain that I'm going through, that's where the difference is going to be made in my life. And it might not set that 
person free, but it can sure set you free by just letting it go. So when I say that I forgive somebody and I'm meaning it from the depths of my soul and my life, that means it's not going to be easy, but I'm trusting you, Jesus, to be able to free me in this situation. Lord Jesus, increase my faith to be able to say I forgive you and mean it in my You say, I forgive you, doesn't mean you're going to forget it. I hope you learn from it. When you say it, doesn't mean it's fair. But praise God, he's not fair with my faults, my failures, my sins. But truly forgiving somebody and giving them what God gave you and me, that empowerment of faith will be able to help us to let it go and enjoy the freedom and peace of your heart. How many of you here, I want to ask you, are you married or you maybe think about getting married, you're engaged, well, raise your hand for a minute. When it comes to relationships, I think these can be the hardest of relationships because you spend the closest and the most intimate times together as two human beings. And whenever you're take your eyes off the cross and you take your eyes off of following Jesus. And I hear so many times in being in ministry over 20 years, adultery happening in a relationship. And I will tell you, yes, you have grounds to divorce the person. You have grounds to be able to, to do that. Adultery is grounds for divorce, but also adultery is grounds for forgiveness. See, a strong marriage made up of two strong, forgiving people overlooking the wrongs, overlooking the offense, overlooking the pains and the hurts. So I forgave you, I mean it, I learned from it, and then I grow in that. So here's what I'm not asking you today. I'm not asking you how much forgiveness someone deserves. I'm asking you, how much freedom do you desire? By faith, you can choose to do it. You may not feel like it, but it will make all the difference in the world. Freedom Church will be 18 years old this coming Tuesday, March 3rd. And I give God praise for it. And in the early days, before any of this that you see here, a bricks and mortar was ever here. Just a few years into the plant, setting up and tearing down. My wife and I were severely betrayed. To the point that I was that close to throwing in the towel. See, it's one thing if somebody that's not a Christian hurts you. Right? They, they, they don't know any better, right? They should, they, they've never been taught the scriptures, the principles of, of forgiveness. But when they're supposed to be leaders of the church, examples of the church, it's a whole different paradigm. So we were faced with a choice to forgive 
And it took me years to get over it because it was a process every day. And I thank God for that season that I went through. You know why? Because it helped me a whole lot. And when I see your beautiful faces, I knew God wasn't done yet. God wasn't done yet. So I praise his name that by faith when we choose to forgive, we get freedom through him. Would you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, God, today we are so blessed. God, help us today to open our hearts and minds to not still focus on what you did or what they said or the lies, the betrayal, the deceit, or the neglect. God, may we focus on the leadership of your spirit in our lives right now. God, that we no longer make a conscious decision that we're not going to be a prisoner of the pain. We're not going to be a victim, but we're going to be victorious by letting it go through you. So I ask you, God, to increase faith of every person here and give them the faith to be free. How many of you here would lift your hand right now and say there's something that you know that you need to let go? No one look around. Just lift your hand right. There's something you need to let go all across this auditorium. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. We're going to do something special today. Our pastors and our prayer leaders are going to come up here. I want to ask you and challenge you to step out and walk to freedom. Step out and walk to freedom. Don't stay there and just continue in that bitterness, but step out as an act of faith and come and pray and say, I'm going to get beyond this. I want to embrace the freedom through Christ. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, as we sing and, and we share here in this moment, I pray in the name of Jesus, you're going to do such a mighty work that freedom is going to be ensued in the hearts and lives of all these that lifted their hand. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.